And if you have a Bible or an iPad or a smartphone or a, you know, um, photographic memory, you can turn to Colossians chapter 1. And, um, yeah, I've just been sort of digging around there, and this week we're sharing with a few colleagues. We were sitting together um, just doing some translating and studying together, and I'm going to read to you this introduction that I have been reading and thinking about, um, and this morning, not share, I told Megan that, Megan always pesters me when she sends the email out, she says, what is your theme for Sunday? What is, give me the topic in that, and the, so the passage that I was busy with was Paul's prayer to the different, different churches and then I said, oh, I might land there, and then by Friday, I was like, no, I'm not landing there at all. Um, so we might still go back to that. But out of this prayer, I want to just land on just a couple of thoughts and maybe share a few images with you that will just challenge us and stir us in terms of what God has really done for us through His Son. So let's pray and just trust that some of the stuff that I think makes sense to me would make sense to you. It might take a miracle. So, Lord, we thank you. Just thank you for the worship and the song. Thank you that we meet here this morning because of you. And, Lord, what you did for us through your son, Jesus, we ask that you would just make a reality. Make it real to us, in Jesus' name. Amen. And then just to say, we were, um, if you think that I don't have a prophetic bone in my body, this will convince you, um, we are going off to the Drakensberg a bit later this week. Um, very well planned. So it'll be nice and cool there. So next Sunday we won't be with you. And Timber will be sharing with you on Sunday. Well played, Timber. Maybe could we not move it out a week? Maybe we could. <laughs> so Colossians chapter 1. As Paul writes to the church in Colossae, he says, An apostle, Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, Faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from our Father. This is the NRV. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all of God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you've already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day that you heard and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf. And he also told us of your love in the Spirit. And this is where Paul just continues to pray for the believers. He says, for this reason, since the day that we heard about you, 
we haven't stopped praying for you. We continually ask that you would be filled with the knowledge of His will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you might live worthy of the Lord, please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might so that you might have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father. He has qualified us. It's this Father has qualified us to share in the inheritance of His holy people in the kingdom of light. For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son that He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So Colossians for me is a, it's a favorite letter um, and your portion of the New Testament. It's beautifully written and there's so much in there. And, you know, I often think these prayers that Paul prays to the Ephesians, to the Thessalonians, um, to the uh, Colossians, are they inspiration for us in terms of even just for us to pray for our lives, for our city, for the believers in our town, even at this time. And so we might go back to that, and that's part of what I was going to look at this morning. But I just want to look at um, the last few verses of that, that introduction. And just as I was looking at it, some of my own translation or fiddling around with it, Paul literally says there, there's some beautiful translations in the New Living Translation and the NRV and that kind of thing. But just looking at, at what he was saying there, he said, with joy, it's like with joy we give thanks to the Father who has qualified you. He's qualified you to a portion of the inheritance of the saints. Beautiful, it's powerful. And then he says, of the saints in the light. So weird, just throw the light in there. It makes sense if you carry on reading. And then he says, this father that he's praying to, this father has rescued us out of literally the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So I just want to pick up some of those, those words. The first um, two things that Paul talks about is he talks about the Father rescued us, rescues us, and then he says, because of the work of the Son, we have redemption. So if you just think of this concept, Paul writes about it in Romans and Ephesians and that, and Paul's beautiful introduction to the Ephesians, he, he unwraps this again, but just... Rescue and redemption. We celebrated a while ago. We got up and we had a sunrise service and we celebrated Easter. And at Good Friday and Easter, we remember what Jesus did on the cross for us. And at the heart of it is a rescue mission. God launched a rescue mission for mankind. If you think the world is perfect and we didn't need rescuing, well, there is help and there 
our medicines and that that we can give you, and there's lots of prayer and that. I mean, most of us think, well, I think we need a bit of help. I think we think the world has been, been in a bit of a mess. So, I mean, God looks at his world. He sees the state of the world from the beginning, from the garden. He's like, I have a plan to send my son. And Jesus comes as God's rescuer, God's redeemer, God's deliverer for us. And he rescues us and redeems us. And so the rescue, he says, is he, he rescues us from the dominion of darkness. You know, I just, I think of, again, some of these images and just, I don't know what darkness conjures up for you. I mean, some of the things that I was dwelling on, it's saying, God rescues us from darkness. And what he says literally there, the word is the same as authority, but it's almost like it's a dominion. It's, it's from a world, a place. He uses dominion in contrast to kingdom, kingdom of light. And it's like God rescues us from a place of authority that is a place of darkness. And in one sense, we understand that this world is not a safe place. There are principalities, there are powers, there are morons and terrible people. You know, how you all put it together in that? It's like the world. I mean, when you, you know, it's like when you bring children up. You have to, it's like, you know, not everyone is like your family. Don't go wandering off by yourself. You know, this the world is not a safe place. There is profound devastation, brokenness, sin, and evil in our world. And Paul says it is like a dominion of darkness. And you know, the thing about darkness is that it's like you don't know how bad it is when you're in the dark. You don't, darkness stops you seeing what you need deliverance and captivity from. It is only when you are saved, redeemed, and put in the light that you can contrast it and go, oh, that was darkness. And so darkness for me is, is blindness. We, sometimes it's like we are, we are so blind to how deceived, bound, lost, confused we are. And the other thing about darkness is the effect of darkness is often confusion. We don't, we don't see clearly. We don't experience what is around us. So often what it is happening around us and in the world around us, in people, in relationships and things like that, it's like we don't even have a proper perspective of and so the picture is literally of rescue. God rescues us. There is nothing that we do. There is no action in ourselves. God sends Jesus. Jesus comes and gives his life freely so that we can be rescued. And it's like, I, I always think of the picture of, you know, the helicopters. I was actually thinking, I was looking for a few to use this morning, and I was like, I didn't like them, so I just left them. 
But um, the one is like, you know when someone is drowning in the midst of a storm and they send a helicopter and they drop someone into the water and then they lower like a winch and, a, and they pull them out of the water. That is the picture of rescue of the gospel. God <laughs> drops, <laughs> the incarnation drops his son into the midst of the storm and the darkness. He clings on to us and God pulls us out and transfers us into the kingdom of light. And because of his son, Paul says we have redemption. And our redemption is not a word that we use or that we're familiar with. But in Paul's word, redemption was a huge thing. It's like, well, in actual fact, I was reading the paper yesterday. It's not a word that we use, but it's a world that we're familiar with. It because we still have a problem with slavery in our world. And so, in Paul's world, slavery was, well, it, it, was, it was open, it was accepted, it was part of the culture. So if you went into the market, there were places that you could go. You could go to the harbor when ships arrived and that, and you could purchase a new slave. And the word redemption is a slavery word. It talks about someone that has been bought out of slavery. They've been redeemed. Someone has come and paid for your freedom. Freedom, literally, from slavery. And so again, I think of the images that this conjures up in my mind. The image is one of darkness, of confusion, of bondage. Now I think of someone that is, is bound. Um, often in the ancient world and even later, slaves are bound together. You know, slaves do not have um, space and freedom. They're often bound up together and they are either bent over they are hiding, sometimes in nakedness. Sometimes they are sitting crouched over, shackled together, um, and, yeah, just completely bound, oppressed. And Paul says, and in darkness. I mean, what is worse than being seated in a, place of confusion and blindness and dark and being chained because you have no freedom and you belong to someone else and they have complete authority over you. Your life is not your own. And it's like, I mean, Paul says that's what the world has for us. Like, that is the inheritance of this world. That is the kingdom of this world. It is made to enslave. It's like the gift that is on offer is slavery. And you know, you don't need ancient images to see that like, that's what we get into in our world. It's like, it is so easy. 
But the contrast, okay, let me not spend too much time on that, it's, it's cold. But the contrast is rescue, okay, and God puts us in a place of light. And so I want to just talk about the word standing for a moment because the translations, most translations, um, the NIV, um, I don't even know what the NIV, what does the NIV say? I had it in front of me a second ago. Um, He's rescued us out of the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son that he loves. Um, The new living translation, the new um, revised standard version, and those have a a, a nicer word in terms of transferred. And it literally means it's like you've been lifted up, rescued from one kingdom, from one domain, and you've been transferred and placed in another whole world, in another kingdom, a kingdom of light, where someone else has authority over you and where there is light and freedom. But I sat with that word. So Amy and Bev went off. uh, Amy was trying to get a um, Schengen visa to go to a conference. And then I was sitting there and I was looking at this word. And um, the word literally means, the word can mean transformed. And I was sitting there and I was going, well, it doesn't, that's not what it says. Because the root word is to stand. So it was one of the first, it's a strange word in the Greek. And I won't get into it and um, expound too much of it. But I was looking at it and looking and looking at it going, there's something here, there's something here, there's something here. Like brought. Brought meaning. Brought is kind of a bit of a wishy-washy word. Transferred. I like, I like that word. But the word, literally, the, the root meaning of the word is to stand in the midst. And, you know, as I reflected on that, I thought, now that is such a contrast to captivity and darkness and slavery that God comes and rescues us and causes you to stand in the midst of a kingdom of his son, a kingdom of light. And, you know, standing is then quite profound because, you know, if, if, you, if you just seem like you see people that are confident and proud and together and that, and it's like when they stand. Have you ever seen people who are standing and you think like, oh, you know, that person looks good. You know, it's such a contrast to slavery because slavery is to be kind of like bowed into yourself, to be shackled, to be like with a whole lot of people, darkness. The thing about, the thing about darkness as well is that darkness, it feels like darkness, darkness closes in on you. You could be in the middle of a field. If it's pitch, pitch dark, you feel like closed in on. You're not going to run around and you could fall into a hole or something like that. But standing, standing implies dignity. It implies authority, confidence, freedom. It's like if you, if you thought of a slave that has been set free and given an inheritance that they are now 
a son, an heir, which is literally what Paul says, that person would stand with like, like composure and dignity and authority. And that's exactly what this word means. It now means that we have been given freedom and light. And the, again, these contrasts, it's almost like, if you just think of this passage and pray about it and think about it, you think, we've been hemmed in. We've been bound. We've been in a place of darkness. It feels like, you know, another image that I have is when, I mean, one of the problems of the pandemic and post-pandemic has been mental illness and anxiety. And a friend of mine has been struggling with um, anxiety and panic attacks um, these past few weeks. And you know, the thing about anxiety and panic attacks and that is, is you feel like the whole world is closed in on you. You feel diminished. You feel like it, the world is making you small. You don't feel like you're standing in a wide open field with confidence and light and space. And so freedom conjures up to me not only confidence but space. God makes room for us. I was talking to this friend of mine about um, antidepressants and chemicals and things like that. Little like bit that I know, enough to harm myself. But is, you know, what happens is the world that we live in can sometimes push and push and push and push. And me mentally and physiologically, the buffer that we have of all these lovely chemicals, like dopamine and serotonin and all those wonderful things that make you smile when you get up in the morning, and sometimes the world just does this. And then you get, and you just like, and it, it's, it's like a cushion. It's like we are meant to, within our bodies, within physiologically, mentally, and spiritually, we're meant to have space, a cushion. Because we all have brutal weeks and months and everything like that. Someone was moaning about the week and everything like that. And I was like, well, look, you know, we had two years of just drama. Like the whole world. We all just had it. And we meant to have a cushion. We bounce back. But the plan of the dominion of darkness is to sap that dry is just to suck the life out of that. That all of us are stretched so thin and we dry and we have no space. And then we crack. And it's quite a it happens to all of us. But what Paul is talking about here is this complete contrast saying what God has for you, and we'll kind of land on this, the last word, so I'm talking about rescue and redemption and this thing of standing, just love it, standing. But he says you have an inheritance. 
He rescued you from literally a place of darkness, oppression, and slavery. And he made you to stand in the midst of a kingdom of his beloved son, which he says before that is a place of light. It's, we have an inheritance in the light. So if I think of just this inheritance and kingdom, the inherit, inheritance means that we're not visitors. We're not, you know, if you, I don't know, Shelley, you go to a corporate thing, you know, some corporate dig, or you're doing training and that, you know, and you have to, you go to different places and you have to get a visitor's card and you have to swipe in and I've gone places with Bev and, you know, and, and you feel like, well, ah, this can be one, but I don't belong here. I don't have my own access card. And literally, what inheritance says is that in God's kingdom, we are sons and daughters. We belong. We can come and go, and we have the rights of family. And that's what Paul prays. He says to the Father. So we are, we've been bought out of slavery, but it's not like we're squatters with no rights. Or no place. To live. No, we've been we've been brought out of slavery, and we've been made fully children, heirs with the rights of the firstborn, which is what Jesus gives us. And so, this place, the kingdom. The first time he says it's the it's a place of light. It's a place of insight and revelation. And it's a place, the last image that he uses of the kingdom is, he says, it's the kingdom of my beloved son. It's a place of love. And it's a place of belonging. And so as children of God, we have space and freedom, and love, and belonging. It's a complete contrast to what the world has to offer us. And ironically, say the world in the sense that Paul uses it here, but ironically now, in God's world, in creation, as he intended it, now we get to be who he fully intended us to be.